We're going to take our Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John. Uh, we're starting a brand new series in 1 John. Uh, and uh, if you're not familiar with, uh, with where 1 John is in the Bible, you can start from the back, and the last book of the Bible is Revelation. Right before Revelation is, the, is a small book. It's one chapter, and it's Jude. One, uh, right before that is a one-chapter book of 3 John. And so you see it's 3 John, so you got the idea. There's also a 2 John right before that, and right before 2 John is 1 John. So 1 John chapter 1 is, uh, is where we're going to spend so, uh, some of our time today. Uh, we're going to do like an overview of this book as I share what God has laid on my heart for, uh, for our church this, this year. But as you're turning to 1 John... Let's, let's go to, let's, I, want you, I, want you to, I want to draw your attention to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, the verse that I said we'll use as our theme verse for this year. And, uh, and, and look, let's uh, look at this, 1 John uh, chapter 4 verse 19. And the Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for your love for us. I want to thank you that your love, uh, your love wasn't, just a, wasn't just a warm, fuzzy uh, feeling. Lord, it was, it was something that, uh, that uh, motivated you to, uh, to action. And Lord, I'm thankful for, for what you did for us. And as we uh, talk about that today, as we talk about your gift, as we talk about your love, as we talk about your passion, I pray that we'll be challenged and encouraged to follow your example and that we will live with a passion for Christ, a passion uh, for souls, a passion for serving you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in us and through us this year. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll, we'll turn now to, to 1 John chapter 1. Uh, and as we, as we read through the book of 1 John... Uh, John was John was on up in years. He was the only John was the only one of the apostles that did not die a martyr's death. He died, I guess you could say, of old age, and uh, and he he was on up in years. Uh, history tells us he was uh, he was at least up in his nineties. Uh, it, it seems when he when he passed away, uh, but that doesn't mean that he didn't suffer persecution. He was uh, he was uh, uh, pursued by the authorities at times. He was at one point he was taken and thrown alive in a vat of boiling oil and uh, when that didn't kill him uh, uh, they they continued to pursue him and I guess maybe he had some time to heal but uh, but hey, that'll leave some scars I remember years ago I, I worked for Chick-fil-a and uh, and I was uh, as I was working there at times I would uh, my job was to manage the the, the kitchen area where, where we're cooking uh, cooking the chicken and preparing the sandwiches and all of that and and uh, many times I, I was there uh, helping with the chicken and everything some of that some of that oil would splash up on me and I and for a long time I had some some uh, burn marks on my arms from that grease splattering on me I can't imagine being thrown my whole body uh, immersed into uh, into boiling oil like that but uh, John experienced that, and and uh, after uh, after some time, he was he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and it was during his time on the Isle of Patmos that God that God uh, that God uh, spoke to him, and Jesus appeared to him and gave him uh, God appeared to him and gave him the book of Revelation, uh, and. Uh, 
but uh, it was during his ministry that John wrote these letters, these epistles. An epistle is a letter of instruction or encouragement, uh, and it's usually written specifically to a person or to a group of people. And, uh, and this, it seems that these epistles of John were written to, written to the, the believers that John had influence in their lives. Perhaps it might have been sent to several churches, might have been sent to different individuals, but, uh, but th- this was, uh, this was a, a general epistle written to, written to many people. And, uh, and he, he says, as he, begins, uh, as he begins in here, he, he tells us his reason for writing the book. His reasons for writing the book, and we find, we find here in 1 John uh, that his reason, as we look down in verse 4, his reason was that our joy might be full. Uh, he says, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. He goes on a little further, and in chapter 2, uh, verse 1, he tells us that he, uh, that he wrote this so that we can know that we have freedom from sin. Uh, as Paul said in Romans chapter 6, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. We're set free from sin. God has given us freedom from sin. Jesus came to deliver us from sin. Many times people look at, uh, look at salvation and the liberty we have in Christ and they'll read Romans 14 and about the, the liberty that we have and, and they'll take that like, well, I can do whatever I want to. And here's the thing. Technically, I guess you could say that's true. But as a child of God, your wanter should have changed. Amen. So you don't want to do those things. Paul said, he said, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he said that because right uh, right before that, he spoke of how, uh, he spoke of the battle that he has within himself. The battle with the flesh and the spirit. The spirit is, is it's needful that we, yield to, that we yield the authority in our life to the Holy Spirit and give him, give him that preeminence. But, but, but instead our flesh is constantly fighting and wanting to have the upper hand. And Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't do, I end up doing. The sinful things that I don't want to do, I, can't, I find myself doing those. And so he said, oh wretched man that I am. But, uh, but John says, hey, he said, we don't have to give in to sin. Many times people have this idea that teenagers have to rebel. I was, I was told as I was growing up, different people would, would uh, be commenting on, on some of my friends or, or some different teenagers that I grew up around. They said, well, you know, that's, that's just what teenagers do. They're going to rebel. My mom and dad sat me down, and uh, my brother and sister, and sat us down one day, and, and they, they said, let me, let me just tell you this, you don't have to rebel. You can, choose to, you can choose to live right. And that same principle holds true for each and every child of God. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to, you don't have to fall to sin. You don't have to sow uh, to the flesh, and, and therefore of the flesh reap corruption. You can choose to live right. And, and John says here in chapter 2, verse 1, he said, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. He's saying, hey, you don't have to sin. And I want to encourage you to not live uh, in, in that sin. Then the third reason that he wrote the book is so we can have assurance of eternal life. We find in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he says, These things have I written unto you. Uh, that you uh, that uh, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. What an exciting truth! 
what an exciting reality that we can know that we have eternal life. You know, sometimes you may ask them, somebody, uh, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're going to heaven? And, and religion has told people you can't know. Religion has told people do the best you can and, and just kind of hold on to the end. And whenever you get, uh, whenever you get to the end of your life, then, then maybe your good will outweigh your bad. Religion has told some people that, uh, that, that everybody is a child of God and that everybody is going to go to heaven because surely nobody's bad. But man is inherently evil. Studies have, have been uh, done to, to, and, and have proven that a child left to themselves, a child that is not disciplined, a child that is not trained, will grow up to be a criminal. Because that is what is in man. The Bible says, for from out of the heart comes murders and, and fornication, all kinds of evil things uh, out of the heart of man. That's what's in us. And it's no wonder because the Bible says, the Bible says that all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We're all, uh, we're all born uh, in sin and, and uh, we're enemies of God in our minds by wicked works, the scripture says. But I'm glad that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He tells us, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's just as simple as that. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have eternal life. And he said, these things have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. It's not that you may think that you have eternal life. It's not that you may hope that you have eternal life, but that you may know that you have eternal life. Knowing is, is better than hoping, isn't it? Knowing so is better than thinking so, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I hope somebody gives me $1,000, but I don't know they're going to. I, I, I'm, I'm glad, though, that I know I have eternal life. Aren't you glad to know? Aren't you glad we can know? We can know it because the Bible tells us we can know it. And, and one of the ways that we know it is because when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, and He assures us of our relationship with God. So whenever I received Jesus as my Savior on September 28, 1987, as a 13-year-old boy, the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside me. He came to indwell me. He came to live with me. and He came to, to lead me and guide me into all truth. He came to illuminate the scriptures to help me to understand as I'm reading, uh, as I'm ready to understand that truth. And he helps me and he strengthens me. And whenever I begin to, to stray, he says, uh-uh, don't do that. Don't go that way. He doesn't, he doesn't grab the reins and jerk me back into the path. He just cautions me and warns me in a still, small voice, don't go that way, that's not what you ought to be doing. And, and I, I must make the decision, am I going to yield to, to the Holy Spirit and obey Him and live the blessed life? Or am I going to go my way and, and suffer the, the consequences of sin? 
I'm glad that, I'm glad that whenever, I, whenever we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, He gives us eternal life. He says that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not, that, uh, it's not a life, that, it's not a, 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 a status or whatever that we can lose. Uh, once you have eternal life, you have it for eternity. Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So once you're saved, praise the Lord, you're saved. And you're a child of God. But what if, what if I sin? What if I rebel? What if I, go, what if I uh, backslide, as some, as some call it? Uh, your loving Heavenly Father is going to draw you back. He's going he's to reach out to you and draw you through His Holy Spirit, through His convicting work in your life. He's going he's to continue to show you His love and, and continue to, to draw you back to Himself. He may use some circumstances in your life and allow, allow the circumstances to become difficult to help you to realize that the way of the transgressors is hard. But he does it not because he's mad at you, but he does it because he loves you. And whenever you make the decision to come home, you'll find him just like the father of the prodigal son there in Luke 15. You'll find, you'll find Jesus ready to receive you back into fellowship because he loves you that much. As we, can, as, as we look here at the, the book of 1 John, we see the reasons that he wrote the book. And, and as we go through this, this epistle this year, we're going to find that he, he talks about three, uh, three different topics. He talks about life, he talks about light, and he talks about love. First of all, he talks about a life that is real. You know, as growing up, often we would, we would uh, uh, play and, and use our imagination. I think I've told you before about, the, about one day I came into the, I came into the house and, and I was kind of pouting a little bit. And mom said, Philip, what's wrong? And I said, I want to be Batman. And she said, well, be Batman. You're Batman. I can't. Why can't you be Batman? I don't have a cape. And my mom said, use your imagination. I said, what? Pretend, use your imagination. And she went down the, the hall and opened up, the, opened up the, the linen closet there and she took out a towel and, and a clothespin and, and she wrapped that towel around my neck and clipped it with a clothespin and I was Batman. No, I didn't have the, the mask and everything, but I had a cape and I was Batman. And that day I learned about imagination. I learned uh, uh, more about pretending. And so I went out and I played and I had a great time as Batman. And we pretend. And many times as a child, life is make-believe. And uh, so much about our life, we pretend and we enjoy that. Uh, but, but, you know, we can't go through life just living in a make-believe world. But Jesus, and, and Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And in the book of 1 John, God tells us about a life that is real. And, and let me tell you this, church. The, the, the life that Christ has planned for us, it's more real than this physical life in which we, uh, we experience right now. See, this, this physical life, this, this life here, this is just temporary. But the spiritual is eternal, and, and that's what's going to last forever and ever. And it is more real than what we can see with our eyes. I love what Peter said in, over in, in the, his epistles. He said, 
He said, uh, he said that we saw Jesus. He said we, we, uh, we heard the voice from heaven. He said we've seen it. We've heard it. He said, uh, he said uh, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. Something that's more sure, that's more, uh, more real than what you see with your eyes and what you hear with your ears. And he said it's the word of God. John says here in chapter 1, he says that which was from the beginning... Which we have, uh, which we have uh, seen, uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, uh, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. He said, he said, I want to talk to you about something that's real. He said, I, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've touched it. He said, uh, he said, and it is the word of life. It's a life that's real. And that life is in Jesus Christ. As we continue on through this book, we're going to talk about not only a life that is real, but we're going to talk about a light that exposes. See, the, the light of, uh, the Bible says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He's holy, He's righteous, and, and the Bible says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And, as, and here's the thing, God is light. And in him, and with him, uh, in him is no darkness at all. And because he is light, he's always walking in the light. So if we're close to God, we're we're walking in His light. Darkness is often referred to in Scripture as the, the that that causes us to hide. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? They heard the voice of God as God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And they went and hid themselves, separated themselves from God. Why? Because they had sinned. Sin always causes us to try to hide from God. Sin causes us to not be walking in the light. Sometimes we may think that we're, we're doing right and we're living right. But here's the thing. The light of God's righteousness and His holiness is going to expose the darkness in our lives. I'm grateful for that. Because God knows that sin is going to destroy your life. God loves you enough that He'll show you those areas of your life that are not right. And He wants you to get... The Bible says, He that covered his sin shall not prosper. David sinned a horrible sin and he tried to cover it up with more sin but when he confessed it God had mercy yes he still faced some consequences for his sin but God was merciful in in his wrath in the judgment for sin God was merciful we'll talk about a light that exposes but then we're also we're also going to talk about love that satisfies sacrifices and serves we're going to talk about a love that that sacrifices and and uh, that satisfies and serves when we experience that that love from god it brings satisfaction it's it brings peace it brings it brings joy it brings uh it brings excitement like no other, like no other uh, relationship can. It'll bring, and, and when, we, when we experience that love, we're going to respond in love as, as our theme verse for this year says, we love Him because He first loved us. It's going to lead us to, to even go so far as to make some sacrifices for the one we love and the ones that He loves. And it's going to lead us to serve. 
to, to step out of our comfort zone and to, and to go and serve others. So let's, let's begin talking about this love. First of all, we see, this morning we see that He loves us. He loves us. I'm so glad that, that Jesus Christ loves us. The Bible says that, uh, the, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 verse 16. A very familiar verse says, For God so loved the world. And I've, I've referred to it many times, but, but I want to I take a moment here and let's, let's look at that. He so loved the world. It's a, it's a, 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 def, a descriptive word. It's, it's talking about how much He loves the world. It's a, a, an adverb there describing the amount of love that God has. He so loved the world. He, he didn't just, and, and this, this is not a love like, um, you know, on the, uh, this, this past week, this past week we had, uh, for, for dinner one day, we, we made some black-eyed peas and some greens and some cornbread. I love black-eyed peas and greens and cornbread. But that kind of love that I have for black-eyed peas and, bean and, and, and greens and cornbread, it's a different kind of love than, than the love that I have for my wife. It, wouldn't it be kind of weird if I loved black-eyed peas like I love my wife? She wouldn't appreciate that very much, would she? It's a different kind of love. You, you might... You might have something, something that you love to do. Uh, yesterday, Luke and I went over here to, uh, to the convention center here in Pasadena. They're having uh, Bricks LA, and, and he, he loves Legos. And, and I mean, you went in that convention center, and the whole downstairs is just covered with tables of uh, people selling Legos and showing different things that they built with Legos. And I mean, it's just, uh, it's it, all these Lego fanatics there. And, and I mean, it was like bricks everywhere. And we went because Luke loves Legos and, and I wanted to spend time with Luke and so we went to that, we went to that event and, and we had a great time. But Luke loves Legos, but I hope Luke loves me differently than he loves Legos. I hope that if one of us had to go that it wouldn't be me. Amen? The Bible says that God loves us. He so loved the world. He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. Why did He give His only begotten Son? Because man, was, man had sinned and man was condemned to eternity separated from God in hell because of sin. And God knew that man couldn't do anything about it. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't uh, reestablish ourselves as righteous because we're sinful. I mean... We, we can't make ourselves clean when we're just filth. We need something else. We need someone else to help us. And, and God, God gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to pay that price for our sin. He loved us so much. The Bible says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Speaking of this, uh, this, this kind of love, this, this 
uh, great love that God uh, had for us. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, he says, Behold, or hey, let's stop and take a look. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, we could just pause right here and rejoice for the rest of our lives and through eternity because, because we who were dead in trespasses and sins, we who were separated from God, we who were enemies of God, we who deserved nothing but hell, God commended His love toward us and sent Jesus to die so that we could not just be saved, not just His friends, not just citizens of His kingdom, but we're part of the family, hallelujah. Amen. I'm so glad that God has bestowed His love upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It says, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. They don't know what to think about us. They don't understand us because they didn't know who He was. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth His love toward us. This, this massive amount of love he, he gave to us he, he showed toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and you hath he quickened you who were dead he's made alive that's what quickened means hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins Wherein you in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He said, that's what you, that's what you did in time past. That's the way you lived in time past because you were the children of disobedience. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but God has made us alive. He says, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh. That's what we were. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. I love, I love that. You know, when, you, when you're reading through the Bible, I love, often we'll see, in the, especially in the New Testament, how it, how it shows us a picture of our, of our uh, 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 fallen condition and our condemned uh, situation. And, and, and then it says, but God. That means things are about to look, things about to look up, amen. Things are about to change. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together. Look at this. He not only loved us so much that He sent Jesus to save us, but He loved us even more. His love just continues, and His love continues, and His love continues. And the Bible says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He said, look, I didn't just save you. He said, but I've got all kinds of wonderful things planned for you. I've got blessings that I want to give you in this life. And I've got all kinds of blessings waiting for you when you get to heaven. That's what God has for us. Many times people think, well, heaven's going to be boring. We're just going to be floating on a cloud like a bunch of naked babies playing, playing on the harps and everything. No, that's not what heaven's all about. No. We get to be with Jesus. The Bible says, then shall we know even as also we're known. We're going to know each other. We're going to have fellowship with each other. We're gonna, uh, hey, but there won't be sin. Won't that be wonderful? 
We get to be together. Uh, we get to be together, the whole family of God together uh, in heaven and no sin and just for eternity together with God and praising Him and, and living amongst each other and serving God together. What a wonderful time that's going to be. God just has so many things planned for us. And he said, he said, that which was from the beginning, 1 John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. He said, for the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have, which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may have fellowship, ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. What's he saying here? He, John, is saying, John is saying, hey look, he said, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about this life that I've experienced. I want to tell you about this wonderful, uh, this wonderful new life that I have in Christ. So when I tell you about it, you can receive that new life. You can have that new life. And then we both will have new life. And, we, and because we both have new life, we'll have fellowship with one another. And this fellowship is not just, it's not like, it's not like a membership in a country club. It's not like uh, being part of the Boy Scouts or, or uh, some you know, uh, uh, Kiwanis club or something like that. He said, this, this is a fellowship. This is a family that, we, that we're a part of one another. We're, we're serving together for a common cause. We have the same heart, the same mind. And he said, and our fellowship's not just with each other, but our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus Christ. And the reason Jesus died was for us to be able to have this fellowship. See, God didn't have to create anything. But he wanted fellowship with you. God didn't have to make man. But he wanted fellowship with you. When man sinned, God didn't have to do anything. He could have just condemned mankind to hell and just let it be. But that's not the kind of God we serve. God loved us so much that, that when we did everything wrong, he made everything right so that we could have fellowship together. Oh, how he loves us. He loved us so much. As we look here at, at this, we see, we see His passion. As we, uh, as we look at this, look at our theme verse, He says, we love Him because He first loved us. His love was, was put on display. His love, was, uh, His love is our example. And He loved us so much. And so our natural response should be to love Him in return. See, today, as, as, as I stand here to preach, I don't do this because I just want a bunch of people to listen to what I have to say. I'm not doing a TED Talk or something. I'm not, I'm not up here trying to get a following for Philip Jones. I want to tell you about somebody that can give us a reason for getting together. The reason we meet each Sunday is because of this somebody and his love for us. The reason that we have fellowship, the reason that we have church, the reason that we have a connection with one another is because of Jesus Christ. And the life that he gives us 
It's more real than anything you've ever experienced ever. He loves us. We see secondly, not only does he love us, but we love him. We love him. His love for uh, his love set the example and, and we experience his love and we love him in return. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. His love came first. We respond to him in love. We respond to his love with love. Uh, we love him because he first loved us. And, and the Bible says in Matthew 22, verses 37 uh, through 39, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And here's the thing about that. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? See, under the law, uh, under the law, the Jews had to do all these things. Uh, they had to follow the law. But the Bible says that we're set free. We're not under the law. Does that mean we don't have to love God? No, it means we ought to. But now we do it not because it's the law, not because we have to, but we love Him because we want to. We love Him because we love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. And now, that greatest commandment, we're just obeying it. Right? The Bible says the law was made for the, for the lawless. The, the law was made for the unruly. But, I mean, if you're obeying the law, it doesn't matter if there's a law or not, right? If you're going to do right, if your heart is set to do right, it doesn't matter what the law is. I mean, how many of us would really have a problem if there was a law that said you've got to eat chocolate cake at least once a week? I don't think I'd really have a problem with that, you know. Some people might. I, I, it doesn't make a difference to me if they make a law that says you, you need to drink coffee every day. It doesn't make a difference to me. I'm drinking coffee, right? So, so if they make a law or not, I mean, it doesn't really make a difference. Because I'm already doing that. So the, the, the law, in the Old, the Old Testament law, especially as it's, as it's shown to us here, the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, God doesn't need to, I mean, because of the love that we have for Him, it's not, it's not a love that we have because He commanded us to, but it's a love that we have because we just love Him. I'm grateful that God made us, made us uh, with a will. He made us and gave us, a gave us the decision. He didn't make us to be robots, you know. He didn't make us where he's up there in heaven with a big, a big control panel and he's, you know, let's see, I'm going to make Dominic do this and I'm going to make Danny do this and I'm going to make George do this. No, he didn't, he, he didn't, he's not up there doing all that. He has a plan. He has a will. And He'll tell you what He wants you to do by His Holy Spirit that indwells you. But you have the choice to obey. And your obedience will happen the more you love Him. See, as when, when our children are small, they obey us. They do, what they, they do what we tell them to do because they have to. 
and we're training them to do right, letting there be some, letting there be some consequences for when they do wrong. And there needs to be consequences when a child disobeys, when a child does wrong. If there's no consequences, then they have no framework for understanding why they even need to be saved and why there's, why there's a hell and all of that. The Bible says if you'll, if you'll uh, train your children properly, that it'll give them that understanding and it can help them to get saved. By you training them to be obedient, to understand right from wrong and uh, obedience and what disobedience is and, when there, and that there are consequences for our choices. I'm glad that God gave us, gave us that will. But see, our desire is not for our children to grow up fearing the consequences. We don't want them to grow up and be afraid of mommy and daddy. We want our children to grow up and, and begin to obey, not because they have to, but because they love us. When it's, it'll be exciting, uh, parents, when, when your children reach the point to where, where you don't have to tell them every day, make up your bed, clean up your room. But they get up and, they, and it might not be the first thing on their mind, but, it, but somewhere in their subconscious and they're, they're, what they're motivated to, out of their heart, they get up and they make up their bed, they clean up their room because they know that that's what they're supposed to do as a, as a mature, responsible person that loves mom and dad. And wants to please them. What a blessing it is. When children obey. Not because they have to. But because they love mom and dad. How much more wonderful is it. When we do what God says for us to do. Because we love him. See this. As we, as we go through this year. We're going to talk about that love. That, that, that satisfies the love. That sacrifices. And the love that serves. And. This love is going to motivate us as we love Him. It's going to motivate us to step out of our comfort zone. To maybe go and do some things that, uh, that we're, we're not, you know, that's out of the ordinary for us. As, as, uh, at, at the end of the service today, I'm going to have the guys to give out a, a piece of, uh, give, give you one of these sheets of paper. And, and this is just some suggestions for some things that you can do. Some random acts of kindness to show, to show people some love. Just to love on people a little bit. And let them see the love of Christ in you. Now, don't, don't look at it like, this is a checklist, and the more things that I do here, the more it means that I really love God and love others. And the more spiritual I'll be, the more these things that I do. No, that's not what the Christian life is. Christian life is not a checklist. It's not like the more, the more check marks you get, the, the higher score you get, and the more you love, and woo, you get the prize for the most loving pe- person. No, that's not how it is. See, God knows your heart. If you're doing this because you want to be seen of men, you might as well not do it. You have your reward. But if you're doing it because you love God and you want others to experience the love of God through you, check away. Amen? And this, this is a list that has some individual expressions of love, some things that you can do yourself, or, or, and then there's some group projects. Maybe, maybe several want to get together, and, and maybe as a church we'll get together and do some of these throughout the year. Some group projects that we can take part in, maybe taking some sack lunches to the homeless, or, or uh, uh, doing a, a, a lunch to public school teachers, or uh, 
uh, dinner to a public high school football team or uh, coffee and donuts to, to the, the, li- the, the line at the DMV. Do you think they might appreciate that? I mean, they're going to be there a long time. They might appreciate some refreshments or something. Let's just show some love. We love Him because He first loved us. And His love for us is going to motivate us where we love others. We're going to love others. When we love Him, our love for Him is going, to, is going to cause us to want to be like Him. And His love was so great that He gave Himself for us. He came to this earth and lived His life for us. And He gave His life for us. The least we can do is live ours for Him. Here in America, we, we enjoy... We enjoy uh, we enjoy freedom. We enjoy uh, the, the freedom to exercise our beliefs and to live according to the principles of God's word and to, and to share our faith openly. We, we enjoy those freedoms. Many places they don't have the freedom to do, to serve and, and to openly, openly worship like we do. Let's take advantage of this opportunity that God has blessed us with. And let's, let's go and show love to others. Let's serve others and let Jesus be seen in us. The Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. His love for us, His love was an example to us. The kind of love that we ought to have for one another. His love was a love that, that, is, that reaches out and reaches everybody. No one is excluded from the love of God. Even Judas that betrayed Jesus was loved by Jesus. Even Peter, when Peter denied that he even knew Jesus, and in that moment of, of Jesus, uh, 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 that time of Jesus' uh, persecution, when Jesus was being, uh, was being uh, uh, accused and being uh, questioned there in the house of the high priest, in the palace of the high priest, uh, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. In his darkest hour, Jesus' friends turned against him. But he still loved them. He continues to love them. Is that the kind of love we have for others? Do we love others even when they do us wrong? Or is our love contingent upon how much they do for us? That's not love. That's not real love. Jesus asked Peter, uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, he he met his disciples there on the the seashore uh, in Galilee and he and he asked his disciples one day, he, he asked Peter one day, he said, he said Peter, do you, do you love me more than these? Peter said, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. A few minutes later, Jesus said, Peter, do you, do you love me more than these? And the these might have been talking about fish, because uh, that's the livelihood that Peter had. Maybe it was the, the friends around him, uh, uh, whatever, whatever it might have been. 
Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter said, Lord, you, you know I love you. Then Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? Or do you even like me? And Peter was convicted and he was grieved. The Bible says that Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know. You know. He, knows, he knew that Jesus knows all things. And while we're growing in our love, we, we might not, none of us have arrived. We, we don't love God like we ought to. But may, may we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit this year. May we take time in the Word of God this year to, to read it and, and to, to learn more of His love for us. May we take time to spend in prayer so that we can express our love for Him and, and just spend time with God. You know, the more, the more time I spend with, with, with you, the more I like you, the more I love you. You're some pretty cool people. The more time we spend with God, the more we're going to love Him. This morning in the booklet that I gave you, you'll notice that if you turn, if you turn uh, in that book, that I've, got, uh, I've got the introduction here, and it just talks about, uh, talks about uh, the purpose and of this book and things that uh, uh, this it's a journal that's meant to be a, a tool to help you in your time of prayer and I want to encourage you to spend some time uh, each day in prayer and then and then you'll see it says 12 aspects of prayer and as you flip through you'll see 12 different aspects of prayer and and you'll notice the first one and the last one are both praise we should definitely begin our prayer time with praise and end our prayer time with praise, just praising God for who He is and for all that He's done. If you were to take and, and, and spend, uh, spend about five minutes on each of these aspects of prayer a day, you'd spend, you'd spend an hour in prayer. Jesus asked His disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not watch with me and pray for one hour? I want to challenge you to grow in your, in your prayer time. And prayer shouldn't be an exercise, a timed exercise where we, you know, set the clock and, and, and we pray. And okay, I've, I've prayed, my, I've done my prayer time today. But it should just be a conversation. There should be a time that you set aside for, a, for an extended conversation with God each day. And that extended time for you, it might, it might start off five minutes a day. And if that's where it starts, hey, start there. Pray for, pray for, uh, for uh, your, the needs that you have. Pray for your family. Pray for, uh, pray for me. Pray for the church. Pray for our city. Pray for God's will to be done. Hey, so many things that we have to pray for. This is just a, this is just a tool to help you. As I was growing up, my pastor, my pastor would say if I, to the church, he'd say, if I can only teach you one thing, I'd want to teach you to pray. And church, I've found that the greatest way to learn is by doing. And so I want to encourage you to pray. And to take some time each day to pray. And then as, as, you, as you get through, as you go through uh, and turn past the, the 12 aspects of prayer, uh, you'll, see that, uh, you'll see that there's a one-year uh, one uh, Bible reading schedule. There's a Bible reading schedule in the back here. And, and this will take you through the entire Bible in a year's time. 
You might say, well, that starts on January 1st and we're already on the 6th. Well, you better catch up, right? No, uh, just, you can, you can, it won't take much to catch up. Just three to four chapters a day uh, will take you through the entire Bible in a year. So uh, grow in your love for God and in your love for others by spending time in prayer. You know, I've found that it's hard to stay angry at people that you pray for. And the more you pray for somebody, the more you grow in your love for them. Let me encourage you to pray. Let me encourage you to spend time in the Word of God, learning more of God and learning more of, of His will for you, looking into the mirror of the Word of God and letting it show you the things in you that need to change because every one of us need to change. When we look in the mirror of the Word of God, I'm glad that God only shows us what we, what we can handle. I had a friend that, uh, that he, he told our pastor one day, he said, uh, the church I was serving in in Georgia, and he said, uh, uh, he said, Pastor, he said, um, he said, it seems that it seems that every day God just shows me this my my sin. He said it's like this big tree that's just right there in front of me, this huge tree that's just right there in front of me. And he said I'm trying hard to to get that removed, and and the the preacher said, just hey, you just obey God, you just yield to Him and let Him help you and he'll remove that that from you a couple of days later he came in he was excited rejoicing and all of that and and he he said i'm 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 living in victory god's helping me with, with victory over this sin pastor said praise the lord the next time the pastor saw him he came in his head's hung low pastor said gerald what's going on he said he's a pastor he said i just realized once that tree's gone there's a whole forest back there you know, there are many things that, many things that God needs to, needs to change in our life and, and He's wanting to change in our life that we must yield to Him. And, and I'm glad that God shows them to us as we can handle it. I'm glad he does, that every time we look in the Bible, He doesn't show us just how ugly we are spiritually. I'm glad He shows us what we're ready to handle. But you get in the Word of God and He'll help you and He wants to mold you and make you more into the image of Jesus Christ. And, in the, and then in the very back, you'll see, you'll see a calendar of events, to, uh, some, some of the things that we have planned for 2019. And these are things that you can be involved in. These are more of the, the major events that we have planned and scheduled for this year. And, and uh, everything from men's fellowships to ladies', uh, ladies uh, uh, me, uh, th- little ladies' fellowships and all of that. And uh, Easter Sunday, we have uh, our uh, Fresh Start Sunday in, in just a couple of months. And just excited about all that God's going to do. And, and here's the thing. As we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in the Word of God, growing in our love for God and others, hey, this is a way that we can grow together in our love by being involved. See, God, uh, the Bible tells us that Christ loved the church. He doesn't just love us individually, but He loves us collectively. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. And God's plan for you is to be a part of the church, not just a bench warmer, not just a a regular attender. He wants you to be a part of the church. And these are some things that that we have planned. And and my prayer for you is is for you to, uh, my my prayer for you is for you to see these things and to get involved in the planning uh, of these things and to help to put on these events and to, and to do it because, hey, we're a church body and a body can only function by, uh, as, as well as its, its members work together. 
And the more we work together, the more we'll show, we'll show this community, hey, this thing of serving God is real to us and, and we love God and we want to serve Him passionately. We have a passion for God and, we, and our passion for God causes us to have a passion for souls and a passion for serving others and we want to show the world how wonderful our God is. If we'll yield ourselves to God in this way, I believe the testimony of Cross Point can be the testimony of Paul and his companions as they would go from city to city. It was said of them, those that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Just a small band of, of believers. It was said of them they had turned the world upside down. So what do you say, Cross Point? Let's, let's be passionate for God. Let's show the world what the love of God is all about as we love Him because He first loved us. And if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We want to love God and others the way He loved us. So how are you doing in this matter of love? Amy Carmichael was a, was a missionary to India many, many years ago. She'd grown up in Ireland. And if I remember the story correctly, all of her family had, had fair skin and blue eyes. But Amy had fair skin and brown eyes. And she didn't really like that. She wanted to blend in with everybody. She wanted to be like everybody else. And Then as she grew up, she, I mean, as, as a child, she, as a young person, she would even pray, God, change my eyes to blue. But God never did that. But as she grew up and, got, and surrendered her life to God, God uh, took her, led her to go to India. And as she's serving there, she's serving in, in different, different ways, uh, helping, helping uh, to rescue some of, the, some of the women in India from some very difficult and dangerous and, and tragic situations. But in order for her to do that, she needed to blend in. So she would take some tea bags and stain her skin to, to be a darker color because she, she had that fair, that fair skin of, of an Irish person. So she'd stain her skin with the tea bags, and, but if she had blue eyes, she couldn't stain her eyes. God knew what he was doing when he gave her those brown eyes. And she learned that God, that God loves her and has a purpose for everything he does. And has a reason for every situation that he allows in our life. And, and that he loved completely and that he loved sacrificially. And one day, one day after, after thinking on, on the kind of love that Christ had for, uh, for us, she began to write. And she wrote, this, she wrote a book by, the, by the, the, uh, the title, If. And I would encourage you to pick up the book and, and, uh, and read through it. I've got some excerpts here for you. It's, and she, she wrote, If souls can suffer alongside and I hardly know it because the spirit of discernment is not in me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If there be any reserve in my giving to Him who so loved that He gave His dearest for me, if there be a secret but in my prayer, as if anything but that, Lord, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I want to be known as the doer of something that has proved the right thing, 
or as the one who suggested that it be done, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If my interest in the work of others is cool, and it doesn't mean like, you know, cool, you know, but it's talking about, you know, I, I'm not passionate, I'm not excited, I'm just, you know. If my interest in the work of others is cool, if I think in terms of my own special work, if the burden of others are not my burdens too, and their joy is mine, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Is ours a self-focused love? Is ours a, an interest in self? Or, do, or are we interested in what God is interested in? Are we willing to step out from our comfort zone and love God and others the way He loves us? Maybe you're here today and you don't know this kind of love because you haven't experienced it yourself. These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through His name. And 1 John 5.13 says, these things are written. The, the, he says... Uh, these, he said, I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to be saved. That's the reason Christ came. And He offers you eternal life today. And it's as simple as praying and, and accepting the gift that God offers to you. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's nothing magical about the words that you say. It's faith from your heart, realizing that your good works can't get you to heaven, but it's only the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross. Maybe you are saved, but you haven't loved with Calvary love. And today, God's helped you to see that. Can we commit together as a church family that we're going to grow in our love for God and others and love the way that He loved us?